Today's message is honestly um, a little bit different than normal. Uh, Ken uh, loves to uh, to joke with me um, because every every time I preach, wherever we are in Scripture, um, where do I get to, Ken? Right to the cross, right? Like we go to the cross, we go to the empty tomb. And today's passage, well, honestly, Ken, that's just too easy. Because we're in the passage about the cross. Um, And so today, as we approach this passage, what I want us to do is as we look at this passage, um, instead of interpreting our passage through the cross, I want us to go straight through the cross and look at the whole Bible. All right? Uh, so Annie was looking at my slides earlier, and she's like, wow, that's a lot. Um, and uh, yeah, and so are you guys okay with a lot of, a lot of Bible today? Is that, is that okay with you guys? Can, can, we, can we do that? Because that's kind of what we're here for. Um, but yeah, so we're in John, in John's account of the crucifixion, in John chapter 19. And I'm going to read through it, uh, and then we're going to go from there. So... John 19, uh, starting in verse 17. Actually, a little bit of 16. But. So they took Jesus, and he went out, bearing his own cross, to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests and the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but, write, but rather, this man said, I am the king of the Jews. And Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. Also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And now John here, he doesn't go into a lot of the the graphic, gruesome details of what crucifixion was. Because to the people he's writing to, they knew what it was. Um, because when the Romans crucified someone, they did it in a way that was very public, in a way that very much said, hey, don't mess with Rome or this will happen to you too. 
And so all John has to say is, and they crucified him. But it was a brutal, horrible way to die. And John, instead of really focusing in on all of that, he focuses in on what's going on with Jesus and continuing looking at who is Jesus even as he's going to the cross. And this inscription, the king of the Jews, is accurate. Jesus is the promised king. He's promised from the Old Testament, something we'll see in a minute. And so in in that inscription, Pilate is accurately saying, this is who this man is, and this is why he is dying. Even though the Jews, they wanted him to change it, to say, no, 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 no. No, Pilate said, I've written what I've written. Jesus, even from the cross, we see him in this moment of compassion. As he's in intense torment and torture himself, he looks down and sees his mother, Mary, And he sees the disciple whom Jesus loved being John standing there. And he says, John, take over my role as a son. Take over my role of taking care of my mom. It's assumed at this point that Joseph is is no longer with them. We don't really know why uh, Jesus chose John to take on this role as opposed to his other siblings. Because we know he had other siblings. But John did it he took on that role and so Jesus even as he's dying he's caring for Mary and it goes on and Jesus says I thirst and he fulfills more scripture here by drinking the sour wine something we'll see in a minute and then he says this it is finished Now, my question for you today, and what I want us to really dig into Scripture on today is, what is the it that is finished? What is it that Jesus has accomplished in this moment? And just to be up front with you, I think there's a lot of answers to that. And we're going to see that in Scripture, okay? But Jesus says, it is finished. So what is the it Well, I thought we would start with just tracing back through where we've been in the book of John and the things that we have seen that Jesus came and and purposes that are stated as to why Jesus came and what he was on earth to do. Um, And so if we can can just put these up on the screen, we're going to go pretty quick through these. But John 1.14 says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Why did Jesus come? He came to show us God's glory. He embodied God's glory to us. He came, and on the cross, he's saying, that part of my task of bringing the glory of God to mankind, it is finished. I have completed that task. Going on, John 3, 16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The process by which we can have eternal life, that we can be forgiven, that we can be made right with God because of his love. When Jesus is breathing his last breath, he says, it is finished. Going on, John six thirty eight. Jesus says this, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He came to do the will of God. 
on the cross, he is saying, it is finished. He has done the will of God. He has done the will of the Father. And he has accomplished what he was sent to do. Further down in John 6, John 6, 51, Jesus says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. He's saying, it is finished. The bread of life for the world is my flesh. And he's just nailed that, that flesh to a cross and died offering that bread for us. It is finished. John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life is possible because of what Jesus did on that cross. It is finished. John 12, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is saying here, I came in order that I might die. And just like a seed, I'm going to come back stronger and bear much, much fruit. As Jesus is on that cross, he says, it is finished. Down further in John 12, John 12, 46 says this, I came into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. He's shown us the light. He's shown us the truth. He's shown us the way. It is finished. John 15, 22 says this, If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have, have not been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Jesus came to convict us of where we need to be convicted, to show us where we are wrong, to show us where we are not in line with God. And he'd accomplished that task. And on the cross, he says, it is finished. John 17, 26. I've made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. That the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. He's made known the name and the will and the person of God to mankind. And on the cross, he says, it is is finished. John 18, 37. We saw this just a few weeks ago. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king for this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Why is he here? What was his job? Bear witness to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth listens to my voice. So Jesus came to show us the truth, teach us the truth, and share with us the truth. And on the cross, he says, it is finished. So Jesus fully accomplished everything he was sent to do, and it was finished. There was nothing else that was needed for salvation or for him to do in his mission here on earth. When you talk about like job approval ratings, he's the only one that gets 100%, right? He fully accomplished every aspect of his job that he came to do. And that's why he's able to say, it is finished. You guys still okay with more Bible?
Okay, I just, just wanted to make sure because I think there's a lot more we can look at. That was through the book of John, just looking at the things that Jesus specifically said or others said about why he was there, what he was here, here to do. But let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Genesis. So you have sin, you have the fall, and right after the fall, right after the, the, the serpent tempts, tempts Eve, um, and she and Adam both take of the fruit and eat it, bring sin into the world, sin against God by doing so, and God comes and he is giving punishment to them for what they have done. He's, this is part of the curse on the serpent. He says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. What, is it, what does this mean? Now that we can look back through it is finished, what we can see and understand in this verse that, that God was saying here is, hey, the offspring of the woman, who is that? Jesus. You know what you're going to do? Satan being the serpent, you're going to bruise his heel. How many of you guys have had a bruised heel before? It hurts, but it's momentary, momentary affliction. But he, what he's going to do, uh, other translations translate it as, he will crush your head. You see, on the cross, what Jesus did was he ultimately dealt a death blow Amen. to Satan. Amen. He crushed the head of the enemy. And so on the cross, when he does that, he says, it is finished. The moment where the enemy thinks he's winning is the moment where Jesus secured his defeat. Going down Genesis 12, verse 3, we have, um, this is with Abraham and where God's making promises to Abraham. He says, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How were all the families of the earth blessed through Abraham? Through his ascendant, Jesus, and what he did on that cross. And so this promise that God made when Jesus is dying on that cross, he's able to say, it is finished. I've done it. I've done what was promised. Let's skip on down, Exodus 12, verse, verse 5. And so this is when um, the Israelites are coming out of Egypt and uh, they are being given um, the, all of the descriptions for Passover and what's supposed to happen with Passover. And a big part of Passover is the Passover lamb being sacrificed. And, and so in Exodus, it tells us about what the lamb has to be. Your lamb shall be without blemish your lamb shall be without blemish Jesus when was he executed on Passover he is the ultimate Passover lamb and he was the only Passover lamb ever that was truly without blemish he was perfect and so in this description as well, and what the Old Testament says about what's required for us to be passed over, for our sins to be passed over, what was required was a perfect Passover lamb without blemish, and that's Jesus. And he says, it is finished. Leviticus 17.11 
tells us this, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I've given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So even from Leviticus, we're seeing that what's, what's necessary to be atoned, for our sins to be atoned, for us to be made right with God, is blood. A blood sacrifice. And Jesus here is hanging on the cross with the last of his blood dripping from him, saying, it is finished. First Chronicles 17.14 God makes a promise to David that I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever and his throne shall be established forever. Jesus, the sign hanging over him as he's dying on the cross, what does it say? King of the Jews. Fulfilling what God had promised to David. that, That one of your descendants will sit on the throne forever. And Jesus, by his death and resurrection and ascension to the throne where he sits at the right hand of the Father, is able to say, it is finished. I have accomplished it. Let's look at some of the Psalms. Psalm 22, verse 16 to 18. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. Does that sound familiar? I can count all of my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Jesus fulfilled the words that were written by David thousands of years before. And he's able to say, it is finished. Another one we see right here in in John being fulfilled and what John writes is what we see in Psalm 69 verse 21. They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. And John says, even at the end, just to fulfill this scripture, Jesus says, I thirst. And so they gave him sour wine to drink. There's a beautiful, beautiful complexity to scripture that I don't think we can fully understand. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be, we'll be able to look at much more of the Old Testament and say, oh, that was pointing to Jesus too. Oh, that was pointing, oh, oh. Because you just read that from Psalm and you're like, okay. But what John says is Jesus was fulfilling this. And what, what we see in Jesus is that commitment to fulfilling all of the things that were prophesied about him. Here's a big one. It's Isaiah 53. Says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. And like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. And like a sheep that before it shears is silent. 
so he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53 goes on. I'm shortening that, especially if you want to go back and look at some more of this. Look at the whole thing of Psalm 22. Look at the whole thing of Isaiah 53. And see how Jesus, even in his death, fulfilled all of these things. And he's able to say, it is finished. Matthew 5, 17 tells us, Jesus says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. This is how Jesus saw his mission. Is all the things of the Old Testament. He's like, hey, I didn't come to like start something new. By the way, that was all me too. Like, yeah, that, that's all for me. And so I didn't come to abolish that. I didn't come to get rid of it. I didn't come just to start something new. But what I came to do is to fulfill all of that. And when Jesus is dying on the cross, about this part of his mission, he also is able to say, it is finished. I've done the job. We see that Jesus fully fulfilled the law and the prophets, and it was finished. Now, by the way our minds work, it's somewhat easy to follow up to this point, right? Like, okay, there was Old Testament prophecy, Old Testament things that were said, or like things that were said in Jesus' life. After those things, he now has died on the cross, and he's able to say, it's finished. I've done all these things. But I want to stretch your brain a little bit today, and I want want us to think about the fact that it is finished, also applied to things that were in the future. Because what Jesus accomplished right there on the cross fulfilled what we see in the rest of the New Testament. It all points back to that point. It all hinges on this point of Jesus dying on the cross and then subsequently rising from the dead. And so as he says, it is finished, I think we can include these other verses in there as well. Let's look at Hebrews 9.22. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus on the cross paid the price to be able to forgive sins. Who was that for? That was for everyone past, present, and future who would be a part of his kingdom. Who were, who were people who would follow him, who would call on him to be their Lord and Savior. In that moment, he said, it is finished. First Timothy 1.15, Paul says this, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. And so when Jesus died on that cross and he said, it is finished, if you are a sinner who has been saved by his blood, In that moment, as far as your eternal destiny, as far as your relationship with God, he was able to say, it is finished. So as far as Wayne's sin debt against God, when Jesus was dying on that cross and he paid paid his life and he breathed his last, and with that last breath, he said, it is finished. He said, as far as Wayne's guilt, it is finished. And put your name in right there if you're a follower of Christ. It is is finished. Peter says it this way in 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. 
He suffered once for the sins. Once. You can't put Jesus back on the cross. He doesn't need to go back to on the cross. He's never going back on the cross. Because it is finished. He's done the job. The righteous for the unrighteous. We're the unrighteous. He's the righteous. He died for us that we might be brought to God. And everything that was needed to accomplish that on that cross, he's able to say, it is finished. He's done the job. It's accomplished. He suffered to bring us to God. It is finished. Salvation for all those who belong to Jesus throughout time, past, present, and future, was finished on the cross. Nothing else is required. What he did on the cross is all that's needed. And so the question is, do you believe in him? Do you believe that it is finished there? Do you believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him? Have you called on him to be your Lord and Savior? Have you told him, yes, I am a sinner, I am unrighteous, but I do believe that you came to save sinners just like me? If so, you can call on him right now, and you can ask him, Jesus, please, please save me. Forgive me of my sin. Don't hold it against me any longer. Count me in those who you said it is finished. And you can do that right now. You can do that today. You can call on him and he will answer that prayer. And when he does, you know what that means? 2,000 years ago, when he's dying on that cross, for you, he said, it is finished. Because at that point, you're saved. You're part of his kingdom. You're one of his people. Now, if I can stretch our brains just a little bit further, 2 Thessalonians 1, 5 through 12 says this, this is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay the affliction uh, with, refli- with affliction those who afflict you. And to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed, to this end we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to propose to you that when Jesus said it is finished, it also includes every aspect of what's to happen in the future. What's to happen in the future as far as redemptive history, as far as Jesus' imminent return and the fact that he is coming back and that he will judge the living and the dead. On the cross, when he said, it is finished, that judgment was secured. The fact that he's returning was secured. It's not going to change. 
There's nothing that can derail this train now. It's something that is set in motion. It's something that has happened. And, and that's why as you look at it in the scripture, it's not like, well, if Jesus comes back or in the book of Revelation, it's like, not like, well, if he can open the scroll or, or if he can ride on the horse or if he has the, the big sword coming out of his mouth. It's not, it's not an if, but it's a win because it is already a done deal because it is already finished. That Jesus is coming back and he is going to judge the living and the dead. And just as we were seeing in that verse, what's going to happen is there are those who do not know him, who have not placed their faith in him. And they will be judged based on their own merit and they will be punished. And there will be others who place their faith in Jesus and they've been redeemed by his blood. And they're invited in to his presence where they get to worship and bring glory and honor to him and to God for all eternity. And on the cross, he said, it is finished. Because it is already a done deal. It's not going to change. Everything that will happen was finished on the cross. The fact that he was going to rise from the dead was finished on the cross. Every aspect of what was necessary to pay the price for sin was finished on the cross. And I hope what, what you're seeing today is that I believe this to be the word of God. I believe this to be true. I believe it to be without error. And I believe it to be something that speaks to us from our creator. And I believe all of it hinges on and is interpreted by this one moment where Jesus said, it is finished because he had accomplished all of it. I want to ask you, do you believe that? Do you have that hope? Do you have the faith in what he has done? You can today. You can reach out to him and you can ask him to be your Lord and Savior. If you do have that hope and you do have that faith, be encouraged Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're struggling with still, Jesus ultimately said, it is finished. He's taken care of it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you did send Jesus, your one and only son. We thank you that he accomplished his mission. That despite all, everything the enemy could throw at him, despite all of the temptations, despite every way that the enemy could try to get him to slip up. He didn't. He executed his job perfectly. And he went to the cross as all a part of the plan from the very beginning, from the very foundation of the world to redeem us, to pay the price for us. And Lord, I thank you so much that in that moment, as far as my guilt before you, is finished. I thank you that in that moment, as far as my future, my destiny, my eternity, it was finished. I thank you that in that moment, as far as my present and the things that I'm going through, the things I'm dealing with, it was finished. You had it all taken care of. Lord, I pray that many more will come to you. They will place their faith in you. And they too can experience the goodness of the fact 
that it is finished. Amen.